Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. to America's Heroes Group. And this time we have a roundtable with our partner, the Veterans Legislative Voice. March is National Women's History Month and Disability Awareness Month. Today is Saturday, March 26, 2022 here in Chicago. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm the co-host, Sean Claiborne. Our executive media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions, and our executive producer is Glenda Smith, the one and only. Today we have a wonderful, familiar voice. You've heard her many, many times on our show. That's Miss Stephanie Collada. She's a U.S. Army Reserve Sergeant First Class and a veteran and a founder and creator of the Veterans Legislative Voice. And we're going to talk about celebrating women, particularly women veterans. How are you doing, Stephanie? Doing great. Excited to be here. It's my pleasure to have you. And then now we want to talk you. about some things that are going on. So what's, what do you want to tell us about the, the women in the military, women veterans particularly, Right now, close to 15% of our active duty are women. Close to 20% of our, of our reservists in the military are women. And then what's going on with the culture of the military, and how is that changing to adapt to this this new trend? Because women are the fastest-growing demographic, if I'm not mistaken, in the U.S. military today. Very true. Um, right now, for, right now, they're really going after on emphasizing on what's happened in the past and trying to correct those wrongs. So... Very recently, on the last day of February of Black History Month and the day before Women's History Month, Congress has actually passed a bill that would give the Congressional Gold Medal uh, over to um, the 6888 Postal Battalion. This was the only um, female black unit that ever deployed outside of the U.S. for World War II. And this battalion was completely amazing in this day. It had a six-month backlog of all of these packages and mail for the troops in Europe. And back then, I mean, we didn't have phones. We didn't, well, we didn't have cell phones, excuse me. We didn't have email. We didn't have any of the other means. And it's actually very, very unlikely to get any phone calls outside of your own country at that time, especially during World War II. Mm-hmm. So the, basically mail, uh, the mail was basically what makes morale go and, ha- and stay. So it's the very vital for the troops. They were able to uh, clear out a six-month backlog in three months. Wow. And then they, they did that in Great Britain and then moved back and moved into France and then moved around towards Germany and was there to support all of these great service members for their mail. Um, so that was actually ratified and completed. And I'm waiting to find out when they're going to be um, holding a big ceremony for it. Well, I can't imagine how like technology has changed. I mean, um, warfare and also changed being deployed, period, just in general. I remember when I was in, in training and also going through being in the military, 
I mean, you t- it t- we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have instant communication. There was no YouTube. There was no real social media at the time. The Internet was in its infancy at the time. So mm-hmm. we, we we had to wait, sit around and wait for mail to come in. The mail was like it's usually anywhere from – this is in the 90s. It was like a two-week to one-month turnaround to get a letter through the system. And yeah, then, and then when yeah, a letter came right. through, your care packages—that was like that was like your Christmas right there. I mean, everything, those care packages, all that stuff that came through. I mean, I mean, whatever, whatever it was. If you got some socks, or if you got some uh, some some stale cookies, or whatever, something like that, you couldn't wear your socks. But at least it was nice that you got them. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you had to wear yeah. your uniform socks. But I mean, this little things like that, this advance would send you meant everything. You know. So, but now mm-hmm. I just remember watching. I was watching uh, Clint Eastwood's movie, um, The American Sniper, and it was one. It was weird because seeing him on a battlefield with a cell phone, being able to call his wife while he's getting shot at, to me was that's just oh my mind. You know, so it's just like that was just weird to me. Like, whoa! It's like I mean, a civilian wouldn't think about that. It probably would, it would just go right over your head. But that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow! Like that's how the world has changed. Like you would get shot, and no one ever would ever know for months until you got that knock at the yeah. door. But to actually have that the ability. He'd have a secure conversation with someone, um, like you know, thousands of miles away across the country, across the world, across the planet. That is amazing to me. You know, this how things have changed and how that's changed culture. So, having said yeah. that, you know, so what is so? What do you see? The how you see the culture of the military changing because of more women being in the military? Because we had a lot of discussions in the past talking about how the, the way women have been treated as far as military sexual trauma, as far as you know, sexual harassment. Also being passed over for promotions, not getting recognized for their service in combat, not even being declared, uh, even being recognized as combat veterans, oftentimes when they were even in combat. Um, how was that? Mm-hmm. How is that culture changing now? Oh, it's uh, the recognition is really have been equalizing. Um, personally, I was very excited when they started um, allowing women into the combat. Uh, MOSs and all of those trainings. I wish my body wasn't as broken as it was <laughs> at the time, and I could have joined earlier. Um, so I was really excited on those, just those little things that makes all the differences. And social media, I always say it, social media has been amazing for equalizing the issues out there and also just spreading the word of what's really going on. Um, there's another another uh, legislative bill I do want to focus on, and it's in honor of Women's History Month, and it's actually for the women that have served in the past, because um, back in 1951 to 1956, or excuse me, 1976, women would be involuntarily separated or discharged from the military because of pregnancy or parenthood, mm-hmm. i.e. Uh, adopting a child or even having a stepchild. Mm-hmm. And so this came from when uh, President Truman ra- signed an executive order in 1951 to allow the armed services to discharge female service members if they became pregnant, gave birth to a child, or become a parent. And so the armed services, services made this option a mandate with zero uh, exceptions for and so at this time, I mean, just for FYI on everybody on their history, for a majority of this time frame, abortion was only legal in a few states. I mean, New York, I know of, and even birth control, oral conception, was, uh, contraception, excuse me, it was only allowed for married couples, and that's even restricted by the local and state laws. So if a service member actually becomes sexually assaulted, then become pregnant, because they don't have the ability to have any options from there, they would actually be discharged from the military. Mm -hmm. 
And this bill, this bill would be to uh, require the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, to conduct a study on these women that were involuntarily separated or discharged to make sure that they received their proper discharges, not receiving any negative um, discharges so that they might lose their benefits, and um, trying to give recommendations on how the VA should be treating and helping these, uh, these women. Well, and as you touched on it, I was going to ask you the question, you know, did these women lose their benefits? Because that's one of the, that's a double whammy when you serve time in the military and then something happens where you're, you know, you're get, you get discharged involuntarily. Do you lose your benefits? And then so the benefits right. that are so important to you, particularly if you sacrifice your time and your life in your early years coming out of, out of high school, you maybe go, maybe you went to some college, you go into the military and then you, you have this bright career you think is ahead of you and all of a sudden it gets cut short. You know, and then also, yes. was there wasn't there an issue with sodomy laws? Wasn't that in some in some cases with the with the yeah, that was also, yes, that was also uh, a lot of issues. Uh, that was one of the reasons why they argued um, against the repeal of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" because of the sodomy laws. They they said that's still in place, and it's very frustrating. And I feel for even the men out there for that. Um, in this. This report becomes really vital because we don't know what might have happened for all of these people. This is 7,000 women that volunteered their time to serve in the military. And for an example, the GAO found that almost 92,000 service members discharged for misconduct between 2011 and 2015. Two-thirds of those veterans were diagnosed with TBIs, PTSD, and other mental health conditions. These conditions would actually cause them to have uh, issues that would cause misconduct, to have them that. And so they would drink or use drugs to try to cope with what they're going with because they're medicating their issues. They would get into fights. There's a lot of things that happens when these people have these conditions. And so they release that, and they've actually been working towards getting people their help now, Um Secretary, the VA secretary allowed mental health, or excuse me, veterans that received um, non-beneficial benefits, basically, or the discharges that would actually remove your benefits. He is allowing those veterans to have met, to actually get covered mental health treatments. Right. So that's covered for them now. Now, now, when you work with deployed uh, women veterans, how have you seen their reports about how they were treated and looked at overseas, particularly in, Af- in Iraq and Afghanistan? Because in those nations where you have the practice of Sharia law, things like that, where women are to- looking at a totally different circumstance than they are in the United States, the rights of, of women mm-hmm. in a lot of the Middle Eastern countries, particularly in Afghanistan and Iraq, they're, they can't do a lot of this. They're not allowed to do a lot of the same things when, they, when you're a citizen of those countries. But an American coming in as a soldier – Going out on a patrol, for example, how do, how do these women report back their experiences? Were they, and do you see the the culture of the military rubbing off around the world in these deployed areas? Right. Yeah, you do see. I mean, I've I've had to deal with a lot of um, tension and issues because um, when where I worked, I had to work with Kuwaiti and what we called them third country nationals. So there were uh, from other countries, but they were in charge of things. They were bosses. They didn't like to talk to me, even though it's my job to perform certain duties and I have to do this work. And so they would have to come talk to me. It was very difficult. 
Um, I will say there was an amazing Kuwaiti woman that had worked with us, and she was the boss, and she would whip all those men in shape. So she was the exception. But a lot of the men do have that issue, excuse me, from those countries with those cultures to have that issue. And it's scary sometimes um, for the women to be in those type of situations. So how do you deal with that? What do you, what do you, what's your, what do you do? How do you give advice to someone who's been, who's going to be deployed to? Well, um, honestly, take care of your mental health and have self-care. Always keep the the awareness up, but honestly, try to be aware of where your mental health is going. Um, Whether you should be having these thoughts and fears uh, and whether you not, uh, whether you actually are warranted to have that. And I always encourage to go get therapy, meditation, and yoga. Those things always help for a lot of people. And just trying to talk out and try to identify the, re- the reasons why you have certain issues, and that really does help out for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And So walk me through a little bit, because some people, we touched on a little bit of an area, we kind of touched a little raw nerve, I think, with a lot of people in the audience. But the, cause yeah, because yeah, the thing of it is, is that a lot of people use the argument that that's the reason why we shouldn't have women in the military and combat zones. But the, 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 the problem is, if you're in the military, you don't realize is that women are already in combat. They've been in combat I mean, for the mm-hmm. last several generations already. They're just not getting the recognition for being in combat. They're not getting all the benefits that go, with, with go, go, go along with that. However, you know, it, it, it is a heightened sense of risk being a female, particularly in, in the areas that you talked about. I mean, I can imagine with all the things, all the violence that happens to women in other countries, in a lot of different countries. And here in the United States, too, we can't, you know, say that we're 100 percent innocent as well. You have a lot. We can report to a lot. We can report on a lot of different incidents in different military bases. We just had an issue here in Chicago recently where they found a human, a, 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 a rights activist, a, a transgendered rights activist, uh, found mutilated. Her body was mutilated. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a transgender mm-hmm. female. You know, things yeah. like that happen you know, all over the country. So. How did, so is this, so how do you how do we digest the, the the increased risk of being a female in a combat zone in certain precarious situations versus um, mm-hmm. being able to be, versus encouraging women to want to do these types of jobs or what is the allure oh. for a woman to even want to do these types of jobs? Oh uh, well, for me, I have always wanted to be in the military. I just I, there was no other option. For a lot of women, it's also being part of something bigger than than themselves or what they came from. Um, I always encourage people to join the military, despite all the negatives that you may hear and read and also experience, because there's still a lot of good that happens. And there's a lot of things that benefits you when you do go through the the services and things. Um, I've been to 44 states already. I've been to seven countries. You know, you get a lot of experience. You get a lot of uh, exposure to many different cultures and situations. Uh, You got great stories to tell whenever you're going to a bar and talking to people or even your own family members. Um, I always just try to really encourage it despite everything that's going on because things are progressing. Things are getting better. And the more that we talk about it, the more that we bring them up, you know, the better it gets. I always fight for women being in the military because if we didn't have women at all going into the military, we wouldn't have Deborah Sampson. We wouldn't have Dr. Mary Walker, the first and only woman to have the Medal of Honor. We wouldn't have um, Sergeant Lester. We, sh- we wouldn't have Dr. Grace Hooper, or excuse me, Commander Grace Hooper. There is so many different people that, women that have put so much 
into the military to make it where we're at now, if it wasn't for them, we would be in a very different place. Mm, that's well put. So what, what are some of the things you think is going to change that make things better for men in the future? What, do you, what, do you, what kind of uh, uh, input are you getting from legislation, legislation from our Congress? Because it seems like we need to do a lot more work to try to make things more palatable and also understand the, the needs. Because when you're being a, a soldier, I remember one time uh, at a Navy vet told me um, that when she was going through training, she was trained how to think basically like a man. And also trained yeah. in the uniform that you wear is basically made for a man. You know, everything was everything. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to fit into that that male role. Um, what are we doing right. to try to make that more to, to address that? Because women have a talent. And, and one thing I've noticed that fighting forces around the world, the more the more powerful ones tend to be more diversified. The more diverse your, your fighting force is, I think the more advantages you have over your opponents. Yes. Um, a bill that had been passed under the NDEA from earlier this uh, this past year by Christmas time, it was the pink tax. So back uh, for before the pink tax got passed, uh, women military uniforms actually cost more than the men, even though for some of them it was actually less cloth used. I don't understand. You can't tell the difference. What's the difference? <laughs> right. Right. So it was really, it was really crazy that how that difference happens. Although I would say for the men, uh, the lines of the hems were straighter while the women are curved, but that's really the only I difference I can really that. put on. I had no idea. I thought, I literally thought that all these times I was in the military, that the uniforms were exactly the same. I had no idea that it was actually a woman's uniform. That's crazy. Right. Well, <laughs> That's what, at least for the dress uniforms, those are specifically made for the women. And for, and then actually the the army had released different sizes and shapes, uh, I think about five or six years ago, and for women. So things that were more cinched around the waist area and things like that, I never wore that. But (laughs) other women could, and they're allowed to. Um, Other things have been coming out for women, especially for uh, African-American women, because of their hair, they've uh, actually done so much progress on being, being able to allow these women to wear their hair naturally as they should be. Mm-hmm. So those type of things have really been going on and be, doing really well. Um, one of the things I am looking forward to is, of course, we know about all the, all the progress we've made on the sexual harassment and sexual assault in the military. I'm really looking forward to see how those come out because, you know, we got six months. They have to do another brief in a year after the bill was passed. So there's a lot of things that we can look forward to in upcoming hearings. I always try to watch the hearings from the Senate and the House. They're actually get pretty entertaining sometimes for some people, <laughs> yeah. at least for me. Um, and that type of stuff is really great coming forward. Um, they DOD actually just instituted um, a new panel, independent panel for the uh, suicide. So like mm-hmm. they did for sexual assault and sexual harassment last year, they're now turning towards suicide, which is amazing because, I mean, of course, and one of the biggest things for women, if you're, if you experience MST, military sexual trauma in your life, you're more likely to commit suicide. Uh, veterans, women veterans are two and a half times more likely to commit suicide than a civilian woman. You're, they're also more likely to use a gun, which is not normal for at least for civilian women. But for us women veterans, we have guns. We're comfortable with guns. I used to teach women specifically how to use handguns because it's very different on the uh, on the woman with her hands, the joints, and everything. 
Um, so those type of things that are coming out, I'm really looking forward to. And, uh, I say MST as well because there was a case of a um, soldier in Alaska. She came out as gay to a lesbian from to her unit, and within a week she was um, sexually assaulted by more than one persons in her unit, and the family really recognized it as a hate crime because sometimes when that happens on a lesbian woman, men will sexually assault them to basically, I guess, try to compensate or whatever. And it's very sick and scary, but those things are coming out because that poor soldier committed suicide Mm. and her mother has been fighting for her. And so that they can put hate crimes on UCMJ Mm -hmm. and they're actually going to be in the independent study. They're going to be including the Alaskan bases on that. So I'm looking forward to that too. So tell us how we can get a hold of you. Tell us how to connect with you um, on your social media and also any phone numbers you want to give us. Oh, um, well, at least for uh, you guys can reach me on uh, Facebook. It's Veterans Legislative Voice. Um, I have a page and a group. I also have Instagram, Twitter, all the things out there. I post updates on different bills. So that way you guys can look it up. And my website is vetslegislativevoice.org. And also, don't forget, you can see us on Facebook Live right now. And also, go to YouTube and see us on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Also, leave comments. Let us know the things you're thinking about. Let us know some about some of the topics. Comment what we're saying, good, bad, negative, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is on your mind. Veterans and civilians alike, let us know how you feel. AmericansHG.org. And also, see us on YouTube and Facebook Live. Now, the last question I have for you is that when you look at the, what's going on in the legislature right now, and I always keep asking this. I'm going to ask you this probably every week until, you, until we get something, you know. But what has moved, has the needle moved at all since the last time we spoke as far as any kind of legislation that, that helps veterans uh, for good, bad, or the ugly? Well, um, I mean, I, I'll give it to the veterans for uh, the the 6-888 women. Um, for their Congressional Gold Medal. Uh, and then trying to... I need to have this more updated for you. I'm sorry. But the um, <laughs> the Justice for Women's Act is introduced, and hopefully they're going to be submitting that up. So they would do a, a vote. And you caught me, and I, I'm I'm sorry. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically that's what, So that's what we have going on right now. So hopefully, like I said, people, you got to write your congressman. you got to tell people what's on your mind. Use America's HG, America's Heroes Group, as your resource to try to get your voice out. The purpose of this show is basically to get veterans together, to let the people know, let the world know what are the things that are on your mind. And also, so we can get some of this stuff changed through law. Like, I would love to see one day we wake up and you don't have to fight for your benefits. You know, that it's just automatic. Mm -hmm. As soon as you get out of the military, it's automatic. You have, this is what you have. It's like, you know, Medicare or something like that. You know, when you turn 65, you apply for it. They don't run you through the ringer and say, oh, well, did you, you know, eat too many M&Ms that day? Is that why you're having a headache? No, they just, they just give you your benefits. That's just, that's just is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Even if you have to charge a premium, I wouldn't even care if you charge a premium for doing that, meaning some kind of small fee or something along those lines, like like, like Medicare, for example. But at least, I mean, doing, instead of having to go through the rigmarole and the, I almost believe that it's not about, people say it sometimes, but they always use the money as the argument for why they want to, you know, bring the pushback on benefits. But I think it's more of the reputation and the image that I think we're probably having a problem with, um, that maybe some, in some kind of back, some kind of back, backwards way. So, Stephanie, thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming on the radio with us. You're a great voice every single time you come on the show. Go to her website. Thank Make sure you leave a message for her. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. 
Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.